You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I literally... Just walked in the door about three minutes ago from a weekend in Orlando where I watched both the Georgia women's and men's tennis teams punch their tickets to the Elite Eight of the NCAA Tennis Tournament. So this is kind of the ultimate fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants episode, as you can probably imagine. I just drove seven hours back to Athens right after the men's match today, so No notes today, but I've still got plenty of thoughts to share with you from a great weekend in Georgia tennis in Orlando. Just forgive me. I'm going to say at the outset here, forgive me if it's a little choppy and all over the place because I'm just giving you what I got as it comes to me. And I promise you, we will get back to our football scheme theme month later on this week. And we might even try to work in a mailbag episode with Curtis to answer some questions about... Oh, I don't know, all the stuff that's been in the news the past week or so with basketball transfers, football transfers, commitments, and so much more. We'll try to get that done later on this week as well. Curtis is just starting, I think this week actually, his summer internship, so we'll see if we can make that work out with his schedule. But today, I'm still pumped up after watching some incredibly exciting and high-level Georgia tennis this weekend. So I've got another bonus Georgia tennis episode for you guys here today, and let's not waste any time. I got some things that I got to get to after just getting home, being gone all weekend. So let's get right to it with the number three overall seed Georgia women's tennis team who defeated number 14 seed Virginia 4-1 to bright and early, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And I know 4-1 sounds like a pretty comfortable victory, but... I just got to tell you guys, it sure didn't feel that way in the heat of the moment sitting there watching that match outside in the heat in Orlando. And it started off with the always critical doubles point that the dogs were able to win. We were able to get that, which is always a great start. It was senior Elena Christofi and Morgan Kopik on court two that actually upset the 17th ranked doubles team in the country with an easy 6-2 win. And then Katarina Jokic and Ariana Arsenault, our top doubles team on court one, clinched the doubles point with a 6-4 victory there on court one. So that's a great start. That's awesome. But as important as the doubles point is, you've still got to close out the deal in singles. And I don't want to say I was nervous because I just have so much trust and so much faith 
and these ladies and how good and how talented they are and just how clutch they are. But Virginia's got a couple of really, really good singles players. They actually had two top 10 singles players at the top of their lineups with number three ranked Emma Navarro, who's actually played some pro tournaments on court one. And then Natasha Subhash, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, on court two is the number nine ranked singles player in the country. So this was no sure thing. When you have, when you're playing an opponent that has two top 10 ranked players on courts one and courts two, that, I don't say it's intimidating, but that that can be tough because you know you you can't just as good as Cat is when she's playing the number three ranked player in the country you can't just chalk it up and say well Cat's definitely gonna win this match now Cat usually wins knock on wood but you can't just chalk it up when you're playing someone that good and then you've got Leah Ma who as a freshman slash sophomore t- technically your second year on campus but they call her a freshman because last year didn't I guess really count because of COVID and she's facing a, facing a top ten player on court two that's tough. So yeah, doubles point is awesome, but you still got to go out there and get it done in singles. I've seen plenty of matches before where a team wins a doubles point, but you end up losing the match because you just maybe don't have that intensity when you go into the singles portion of the match. And then it was it was actually number 20, Meg Kowalski. You guys know Meg. If you listen to the show, if you listen to my tennis episodes, you know I love Meg Kowalski. She's my favorite Georgia athlete of any sport currently right now. Love watching her play. She's fantastic. She's awesome. And she was the one that notched our first singles victory to put us up 2-0. And man, like that was really awesome to see. Regardless of, of how awesome I think Meg is and how much fun I have watching her play. If you listen to the episode last week after the first and second round, last time out, Meg actually lost. And, and I say actually lost because Meg never loses. Coming into the season, Meg had only lost one match through her first two years here in Athens. She's now got three losses on her record through three years. Oh my God, three losses, right? But that I, I don't really count the one last weekend because like, she was hurt. I guess it technically counts on her record, but I don't know, man. She, she was hurt. She's out there playing hurt. And she made the most of it. A lesser player would have retired, but not Meg. That's not how Meg rolls. She just keeps playing. But she did lose last time out and was clearly hurting and trying to fight through some sort of an injury. And I, I didn't know what to expect. I really did not know what to expect coming into this match. Charlie and I were actually talking about it before the match. We didn't know what to expect from her. Like We normally know what to expect from Meg because she's so insanely consistent. But when you factor the injury, potential injury situation into it, we should know, like, like is she 100%? Is she 80%? Like, what kind of Meg are we going to see out there? But what we found out pretty quickly is that it was going to be quintessential Meg Kowalski. Like she came out on fire playing that quintessential Meg Kowalski tennis. And when I say Meg Kowalski tennis, what I mean by that, I mean, she's all over the court playing with reckless abandon. She does not let any ball go without going absolutely 100% all out for it, frustrating her opponent with her ability to just, I mean, just keeping the ball in play, guys. That's so important. Everybody gets caught up like, oh, how many winners did you hit? How, many, how hard do you hit the ball? That's great and all, but just keep the ball in play and you'll win a lot of points. And there is no one better on the team at that than Meg Kowalski. And placing the ball with pinpoint accuracy just all over the court, moving her opponent around all over the place. Meg doesn't hit the heaviest ball. She doesn't hit with the most pace. No, absolutely not. But she's got incredible accuracy. She doesn't really make any unforced errors when she's playing her game. She moves all over the place. Her opponents think they have her, but they don't have her. You never really have Meg because Meg will go all out for everything. And that's tough for an opponent when you, th- you think you've got her, but no, nah, not Meg. So that that's a Meg Kowalski tennis. And that was just on full display on Sunday morning. And uh, if we're going to win this whole damn thing, I'll say this. 
we're going to need Meg to be Meg. We're going to need more quintessential Meg Kowalski tennis. And again, that's exactly what she was on Sunday. So her quick victory there, that puts us up 2-0. And then it was number 52, senior Marta Gonzalez on court five. has been such a critical part of our team and uh, for so many years now, man. She played court two for a long time. She's down on court five this year, battled some injuries early on the season. Actually, I saw her today at the men's match, and she literally had, she had ice packs on both wrists. All right, guys, she had ice packs on both wrists walking around cheering our guys on. So our team is banged up. Uh, it, it, and we had a couple of girls, I think three, like almost simultaneously. We had, it was Morgan Kopic on court four, Leah Ma on court two, and then Kat on court one. Basically, all at the same time, needed an injury timeout. We only really had one trainer, so they, it was kind of a, of, the, of a delay there as we were like first letting Morgan get treated, and then Leah, and then Kat, so on and so forth. So we, we're kind of banged up, but these girls are just fighting, and uh, that, and of course, that's what you expect from, from this team and, and how much they care about each other, care about the team, care about Georgia, and Marta is right there front and center doing exactly that on court five. She was down a break early in the first set, but broke back and took the first set after winning the tie break there. Then she kind of breezed through the second, so that put us up 2-0, so big time win by Marta there on court five. And then Morgan Kopic, she has been a beast lately. You know, guys, you remember I said this last week, she won the SEC Tournament MVP and was dominant in the first two rounds last weekend, but she actually lost yesterday. She fell in three sets on court four. Um, at, and, and look, I don't know how much you want to talk this up to injury. I don't know, but she's been dominant, but she did have to take an injury timeout. Um, and so, but her losing, that made the score 3-1. There were still three matches going on. Elena Christofi, the other senior down there on court six, she lost the first set 4-6, but she won, she bounced back, won the second set in a tie break, which is, that's what Elena does. You just don't count Elena out. Kind of like, we'll talk about Billy Rowe later on uh, when we get to the men's side of things. But just like you don't count out Billy, don't count out Elena. Just don't count her out. Uh, and she actually went down a break early in the third, but broke back and was up 5-4 in the third. But before she could win, it was number 55, Leah Ma on court two, who clinched the match with a 2-6-6-3-7-6 victory on court to that that tiebreak went uh, 7-4. The SEC Newcomer of the Year was absolutely dialed in, guys. She was dialed in from that very first game. And yeah, she lost the first set 2-6, but I really wasn't all that worried. I almost tweeted this out, but I didn't want to jinx her after that first set because, yeah, even though she lost 2-6, it looks like she just got, like, you know, steamrolled there in the first set. I actually thought she was playing really well in the first set. Yeah, she lost a few big points because, oh yeah, remember, she was playing the number nine player in the country. And, and, and she was good. Like that, The girl she was playing was worthy of a top 10 ranking. She was very, very good. And she hit some big winners, a very skilled player. She was incredible at the net. Leah was setting up. Well, you see, you could see Leah was kind of filling her out in the first set because she was hitting some really good shots that... Against most players, she's going to win easy. But this girl was so good at the net, so good volleying, and Leah kind of had to adjust her game to that. And I got to give Leah credit there. But so even though she lost the first set 2-6, I thought she was playing really well. Sometimes you just kind of feel your opponent out, see what they're good at, see what they're not, see where their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and you kind of attack that later on the match. And that's what Leah did. But again, she was dialed in. Losing the first set or not, I thought Leah was dialed in. And I, I've said this before. I might have said it on last week's episode. I think Leah Ma might have the highest ceiling of any player on our team. But as is the case with a lot of young players, this is not unique to Leah. This is kind of a young player thing. You got to figure it out, right? 
she has had to work on consistency. That's been her big thing. She's so crazy talented. But the, what she's had to work on is just consistency, especially consistency when it comes to just focus and, and that like kind of consistent intensity. I get the feeling sometimes that she gets bored out there. And I, I say that because I think she's so good and she's so talented. Honestly, she's more talented than most players that she plays. And so I think at times when, she, when she's playing well, she gets up, she kind of like gets bored, lets them back in, and sometimes that can come back to hurt her. And that's just me looking at it from a thousand foot view. I, I can be completely off there. That's just kind of the feeling I get at times. And, and it's also just a personality thing. She's more of like a... a a relaxed, chill kind of person, and you can kind of see that bleed through in the court as well. But she had to fight for this one, and you, and it was just great to see that fight. And you saw some fist pumps, you saw her, her scream a time or two, and you don't always see that from Leah. And so I, I love seeing. I mean, I'm an intense guy, so I love seeing that. And she had to dig deep for this one, man. She really had to dig deep for this one. So she did bounce back and win the second set, six three, and she actually broke her opponent's serve to open the third and I was like okay here we go here we go and she eventually went up 4-2 I was feeling really good but then things turned sideways really quick in that third set she's up 4-2 she's up a break but then she got broken herself and lost three straight games to go down 5-4 in that decisive third set she actually had to stare down two if I remember correctly don't quote me I'm fairly certain I remember I am remembering this correctly but if memory serves me correctly she had to stare down two match points to break back when she was down 5-4 late in that third set and force the third set into a tiebreak that she ended up winning 7-4 to clinch the match for our Bulldogs. I would say, I mean, I've seen, I think I've seen every home match that she's played. Uh, almost certainly the best win of her career at this point at the University of Georgia. And again, yes, she's so insanely talented, but she really showed me something on Sunday. Not about the talent. I know how talented Leah Ma is. I am well aware of how good this girl is. I'm jealous. And I'm jealous of all the players and what they can do because I can't come close to I, mean, I just I can't even come close to hitting the shots that they hit. But she's so good, man. And like I, I know when I watch her play, I'm like, yep, I'll never be that good. I can't even hit I can't hit one one hundredth of the shots that she hits. Can't do it. Cannot do it. So it's beyond the talent. I was impressed with the heart and the guts that she showed. She showed me some heart and some guts I honestly didn't know she had. And it's not that I, I didn't think Leah could be that kind of player. I just haven't had to see her in those moments before, in these big time moments where she's down in a match of this magnitude. You know, I, I haven't seen her in that in that situation. So to see her respond like that was incredible. And I loved it. I ate that stuff up. Again, she had, she had to take an injury timeout in the third set. She was visibly affected by, I don't know exactly what, the injury is or, or what it was, but some sort of lower extremity issue. She was limping between points, uh, but this girl dug deep and just refused to lose. She really, I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, she showed me some Katarina Jokic and some Meg Kowalski level heart out there. And that's saying something, guys. I hold Kat and Meg in such high esteem when it comes to like, like Kat has a nickname Cardiac Cat, right? Like she's been in so many big moments and come through so big for us in those big moments. Meg, same thing. And uh, you saw that. You saw that from Leah Ma. Really, for me, for like the first time seeing her in that kind of situation, and it was it was awesome, man. It was really awesome to see her rise to the occasion like that. So. Tip of the cap to Leah Ma, just an incredible performance there. And speaking of Katarina Jokic, our top singles player, who I think is 
the best player in the country. We'll see when we get to the singles portion of things here in a cut in a week or so. But speaking of Cap, I teased a little bit earlier, but it was number three versus number four on court one. Clearly the feature match of the day. Cat took the first set 6-4. And it was really fun to watch that match. It was a very high-level match between Emma Navarro, number three, Kat Jokic, number four. Remember, Kat was number one, guy. She dropped number four, not because she lost. She didn't lose, but just the quirky way they do rankings in college tennis. It's about, you know... Who's, who else has won, who they beat. It's it's a numerical system. It's a formula and whatever. But Kat is awesome. But this girl is really good too. She's played some pro tournaments. And they are very, very similar in their style of play. They're both big hitters. They, they hit a heavy ball. It's a power game. And man, just seeing them strike those ground strokes back and forth, forehand, backhand, whatever it was, was a sight to take in, man. It, it was awesome to watch. But Kat got the best over in the first set, 6-4. She was actually serving for the match up 5-4 in the second set, but got broken and ended up losing that second set 7-5. It would have made Leah's heroics kind of null and void, wouldn't have, wouldn't have needed it at that point. But Kat bounced back, as Kat does, in the third set. It was actually up two breaks, 5-2, right before Leah clinched. It really, it really was a race to the clinch, like what's going to be Kat, what's going to be Leah. But Leah ended up getting there first to clinch the entire match for the dogs. So, I mean, guys, it's so, like, you talk about Katarina Yoko, even though she didn't win that match, she was going to win that match. And it's just so valuable to have a player like Kat that can beat the, like, she can beat the best players in the country any time out. I'm not saying she's going to win every single time, though. She's only lost one time this year, which I think she's, what, 24-1 and one, off the top of my head. Uh, but when you have a player that can compete against the best players, that's what she's that's who she's playing, guys. On court one, she's playing the best player on the opposing team every single time out. And when you get this deep in the tournament, your the, the your opponent's best player is going to be like a top ten, top fifteen caliber player at the least. And she's gonna have another she's gonna have another huge matchup, another top ten matchup on Wednesday. We're, we're gonna need her to be at her best again because number six Anna Rogers from NC State is a player that absolutely can win that match if if Cat's not ready. But Cat's always ready. I'm not saying Cat's always gonna win, but Cat's ready. So it's gonna be another big time matchup there on court one on Wednesday. Can't wait to take that in and see that. And look, that entire match against NC State is going to be another tough one. We're going to get pushed. NC State is good. Charlie likes to always remind me that, that our girls have a target on our back with how good we've been recently, and she's right. Uh, NC State is very capable of beating us. They're that talented, and everyone, like, we get everyone, it's like, kind of like I don't say we're the Alabama of women's tennis. Like, I, I'm not going to say that because there's other teams that are really, really good too. Like, North Carolina is really, really good. Texas is really, really good. But we've been good for a couple of years now. We've been at the top for a couple of years, and People know that. Other teams know that. And so we have a target on our back. We're going to get their best shot. We'll get everyone's best shot. That's going to happen. That's okay. You want that. You want to get their best shot. You want to be at that kind of program. And we are. So like, NC State is, is good. And they're going to give us their best shot. They're capable of beating us. And when you get to this point, if you don't bring your A game, anyone can beat you. When you get to the Elite Eight, anyone can beat you because they are all that good. They're there for a reason because they're really good teams. And, and NC State is the number six overall seed. And they're coming from what was pretty clearly the best conference in women's college tennis this year. The ACC has 16 or had six teams in the Sweet 16. And NC State, yeah, they lost I think they lost six matches this year, but when they're playing North Carolina and you're playing Virginia and you're playing Florida State who's the 7 seed, even Georgia Tech was a pretty good team this year. They were the 13 seed. When you're playing those kind of teams match in and match out, yeah, you're probably going to lose a couple of matches. NC State's really good. They're really good. But I can't wait to see this match. I love this Georgia women's tennis team. I love this team. They're so much fun to watch. And look, I'm not saying that we are incapable of losing. Absolutely not. Again, 
When you get to the Elite Eight, anyone can beat you if you do not play your A game. You have to be ready to play your best every single time out at this point. So it's not that we're incapable of losing. That's not true. We absolutely can lose. Anyone can lose. But we just don't really have any weak points in the lineup. We just don't. We're so strong one through six in singles. We're strong one through three in doubles. Anybody can lose. They all can lose. They all have lost this year. But there's a lot of ways for us to get to four points. It might be Cat one day. It might be Meg one day. And then it might be Morgan Coppock. It might be Leah Ma like it was on Sunday or Ellen and Marta, our fifth-year seniors down on five and six. It could be any of them on any given day. We're just so, so strong and so consistent up and down that lineup. But we're going to get pushed. Like I said, NC State is legit. They're going to push us, and we're going to have to bring our A game. But however it shakes out, we're going to be there pulling hard for them on Wednesday. Can't wait for that match. So awesome job, ladies, and best of luck heading into the Elite Eight on Wednesday. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But that is going to bring us to the crazy intense and nerve wracking match, at least for me, man. My, my nerves were on edge between number six seed North Carolina and our number 11 seeded Georgia Bulldogs. And I just want to remind you guys, as I said last week, this was an incredibly tough draw. Like, yes, this was an upset, okay? Number 11 seed beat the number six seed. It's a, it's a little bit of an upset. It's a minor upset, right? But to really understand like how big this was, you have to understand how good North Carolina really is, okay? Yeah, all right, they're the six seed. But they were basically the number one ranked team all season long. They were. They were the number one ranked team in the country all season long, all the way up until March 29th. They dropped number one because they got a couple of injuries to their top guys, their top two singles players, and that caused them to lose a couple of matches. And they lost two or three matches in that span, okay? But this might have been the most talented team in the country with a very experienced and senior-laden roster. Four of their six singles players in the lineup today are seniors, and their senior class has been incredibly good, guys. They ended their careers with a 104-16 and 16 overall record, all right? That's going back to 2017, because with last year getting cut about halfway short, a lot of these guys chose to come back for their senior season. This was an incredibly talented team. In my opinion, they, they probably are the, like, arguably the most talented team in the country. If not the most talented, certainly right up there, one of the two or three most talented teams in America this season. That was one hell of a team 
that our dogs just beat today. And I have to admit, I went into this match with no expectations. With, with no expectations. Like, you know what? If we win, that's awesome. But I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to count on it. The odds were clearly in North Carolina's favor. Again, guys, this was the number one team for the vast majority of the season. They've been to the NCAA championship match back in 2017. They've been there, guys. They've been, like, honestly, like, they've been the better team all year. If you're comparing Georgia and North Carolina, like, this year, they've been the better team for the vast majority of the year. We were playing with house money, baby, and that's a liberating feeling. And you know what? If somebody wants to say that North Carolina was actually better than us and we just, you know, happened to beat them today, that's fine. I don't care. All that we have to be is the better team on that day. All right, the day that we play you, we just have to be better that day. You can be better all season long. That's fine. We have to be better that day. That's how these things work, right? And that's why I get nervous for our girls sometimes. Like our girls are awesome. I think one of the one of the two or three best teams in the country. But it just takes one day. If you don't have your, if you're not playing your A game and the other team does, then anybody can beat you. They just have to be better than us on that one day. So that's why I get nervous. And you know what, guys? Today we were better. We were the better team. Our guys were ready for the challenge. And I've said this all year too. This Georgia tennis team is good enough to beat anybody in the country when we are at our best. And we proved that today, all right? I don't get a lot of things right, but chalk chalk one up for me there, right? And look, I can't guarantee you that we're going to that you're going to get our best every match out. Like, you don't know. It's that's, that's tough to predict for any team. You never know like what you're going to get from match to match. You don't know. But at our best, again, I believe that we can beat anyone. And we show that today. This team is full of a bunch of fighters. And I love that about these guys. Like, look, North Carolina, like overall, you know, top to bottom, maybe you could argue that like, yeah, they're probably more talented top to bottom. Sure. But our guys fight, man. They believe. They're hungry, and that matters, and it mattered today. So, like, I'll, I'll just say this one more thing before we get into this actual match. I told you guys not to give up on this team. Don't. I told you, don't give up on this team when we were 1-4 in, in conference play to start the season after a slew of injuries. There was doubt. There was concern, understandably so. And I'm not saying I wasn't concerned, that I wasn't unconcerned. I, I did have concern, but I believe, man, I really believe that if we got healthy, we could make a run. I knew what these guys, like I knew how, how talented they were and I knew what they were made of in terms of what they've got inside. And that's what's happened, guys. That's exactly what we've done. We've, went, we've gone on a run. We've won 11 of our last 13 matches. We've only lost to good teams, guys. Yeah, we, I think we have six losses on the year. We've only lost to good teams. Five of our six losses this year were to Sweet 16 teams. And the other loss was to uh, Wake Forest, who was the number 10 seed that got upset in round two, I think, by Ohio State. is also a good tennis program up north. But let's get into this actual match here, right? This team is is playing really good tennis, playing our best tennis right now, which is we're peaking at the right time, which, you know, is always a good thing. But for this match in particular, it started with the intense doubles point, man. Like North Carolina is so good in singles that I felt coming into this match that we almost had to win the doubles point to win this match. I mean, it's always critical to win that doubles point. It really is. Gets you off on the right foot. You get some momentum carrying the singles, of course. And it takes a little bit of pressure off you going into singles. But when you are the underdog against a team that talented and that experienced, winning the doubles points, like it's as close to a must as you can get 
in college tennis. It really is. And it was Eric Gravilius and Phil Henning that got us off on the right foot with a 6-4 win on court three. And that is a really, really good doubles team, guys. Like I know there, there are our court three doubles team. Like on a lot of teams, that's a court one doubles team, man. Like and there's some matches out there. I'm like, man, are they are we sure they're not our best doubles team? Are we sure? Obviously, I defer to our coaches that they know infinitely more about tennis than I could ever even dream about knowing. But I think they're really good. I think I've said before, I think Eric Gravillis is our best doubles player. Uh, he's so skilled at the net. He's an incredible volleyer. He has these crazy soft hands, man. How he can place the ball on his volleys is just insane. Like, he's just got a variety of shots he can hit at the net. He's just really, really good as a doubles player. And then we got smoked on court one. I was 6-1 on court one. Uh, wasn't our best outing there, uh, but it came down to court two. All came down to court two in the, for the doubles point, and it was Billy Rowe and Blake Croyder coming up big with a 7-6 clinch, winning the doubles point in a tiebreak on court two. Uh, they actually won that tiebreak 7-2, and we had to have it, guys. I really believe we had to have that, and we got it. If we lose that doubles point, we lose that match. It's four through the other way. So it was critical. It's always critical, but in a match like this, you play a team that talented, and you're the underdog, it, it helps you believe, man. And just practically speaking, it gives you that critical point that you got to have because beating North Carolina four out of six in singles matches, that's that's an uphill battle, man. That's an uphill battle. They're that good. So what that meant is when the doubles point is now we each needed three out of six singles matches. Again, for those of you who are kind of just new to the college tennis thing and trying to get into it, you got to have four points to win, okay? There are seven opportunities to get points. There are six singles matches in one doubles point. There's three doubles matches that are played to decide that one doubles point. So whatever team wins two out of three doubles matches wins that one doubles point and you have six singles matches and it's the first team to get to four overall points. I would, for those of you who are new to college tennis, I kind of equate it to like, like NBA playoffs coming up, right? So you have these seven game series. It's like a seven game series. It's first to four, four out of seven. That's really what it is. So after getting the doubles point, we needed to win three out of six singles matches, which is still really tough against a team like North Carolina. Because they're that good. And, it, and guys, it started out rough. Like I started out watching singles, uh, sitting behind court two, watching court one and court two very closely there. Trent Bright on court one and Tyler Zink on court two. Because I mean, those are typically your two best players and then you're facing your opponent's two best players. A lot of fun to watch those guys. So I started out watching them early and they got down a couple breaks. I feel like I was bad luck. I had to get up and leave so I could go watch some other guys and see what's going on down there, support them, but also just like get rid of that bad juju that I had sitting there watching. I, yes, I'm superstitious like that. But they both got down a couple breaks early in, in their first sets and they just couldn't get them back. They pushed, they had a, they had a couple chances there. Um, but she couldn't quite get it back. But it was number 19, Phil Henning on on court three. He was on fire, guys. Watch a good bit of his match. He was on fire on court three. Notched our first singles victory with a 6-3, 6-4 victory over number 56, Benjamin Sigelwin. I think is how you pronounce his last name. Let's, let's talk for a minute about Phil Henning, guys, on, on court one, on court three. The South African, man. Like We don't talk, a, I don't know if we've talked much about Phil, but he's such a good player, man. I want to give him some love here. Phil is such a good player. And honestly, I think Phil's good enough to play court one on a lot of teams. Like, I think he could play court one on our team. Like, he, he's played there a couple matches. He's played there before. Not so much this year, but I've seen him there in the past. And I just don't, I don't feel like there's a ton of separation between our top few players. Whether it's court, like Trent Brown on court one, Tyler's in court two, Phil Hing on court three. Phil's played court two for a lot of his career. played court two most of last year before things got shut down. He's played court one a little bit. Uh, I don't think there's that much of a gap between we've got court one and court two and Phil on court three. I think he's that good. And I love watching Phil play because he plays so hard, man. Like this guy just goes 100 miles an hour. He plays so hard. He puts so much into every shot. 
And he, it's it's not just that he plays hard. That's fun to watch. But he's also one like he's one of the many fun loving guys that we have on this team. It's one of the reasons I like this team so much. Just have a bunch of fun loving guys. They, they they like each other. They love Georgia. They have fun out there. But they know how to flip the switch on the court. They really do. Like they have a great time off the court when the match is over. They're smiling. You know, cutting up out there, cracking jokes. All, all that fun stuff, man. Just being a bunch of goofy guys out there. But on the court, they know how to flip that switch and bring the intensity. And Phil really embodies that. So I love watching Phil play. He's a really talented player, top 20 player. Really, he's been a top 20 player for the better part of two and a half years now. He's, he's a really, really good player. And it was a big singles victory for us to put us up 2-0. Uh, but then it was Blake Croyder who uh, fell in three sets on court four. He actually won the first set at 6-4. And at, at first, I thought our path to victory might be court th- you know, Phil on court three, Blake on court four, and then it looked like Eric Gravilius on court six. That looked like the path early on. He won the first set 6-4, but he lost the second set 6-2. And then the third set, and, and Blake sometimes gets down on himself a little bit, which is not unusual. When it's an individual sport like that, like when your match is individual, it's a team sport, but you're playing your individual match. It's a mental thing, man. And some, and he he got down himself a little bit there, but he fought back in the third set. He ended up losing it though, six four. He got broken early in the third. I want to give Blake credit though. He fought back and did break back in that third, but got broken again late. Ended up losing that third set, six four. Blake is really good, man. He he, he Blake's awesome. Blake and I, I usually I usually count on victories from Blake on court four. You know, last year there was a, there was a stretch there about 20 matches or so in a row where Blake just didn't lose. He just didn't lose. And he's he's awesome, man. And he hit some incredible shots. There was one shot. It was a return. A guy had a good serve. And Blake just kind of like got, like the way he can kind of contort his body, he's really flexible. He contorted his body. He ran around. He probably, I mean, for me, it, was a, it, should, it would have been a backhand because I can't move my body like that. But he gets his body around it and hits like the, hits a forward. And as he's kind of like falling away from it, and shoots it down the line for the the forehand winner on the return. Just an incredible shot. Blake's really talented, but he lost this match. So that that made uh, that put that put North Carolina on the board and made it two one. And then it was Eric Gravilius on court six who put us up three one with a seven six six two straight set victory on court six. He was actually serving for the first set at five four, but got broken when he was serving for the set. But it's all good. It's all good. Eric just, he wanted to do it the hard way. Wanted to have a little more fun out there. And he ended up winning the tie break. Uh, I think it was 7-2 in the tie break, as I want to say. It ended up being something like that. And he just rolled in the second. He just rolled in the second set. Uh, was it 6-2? Uh, six, six, either 6-2 or 6-1 in the second set. One of the two. I can't remember quite off the top of my head. But either way, he rolled in the second set. And he really frustrated his opponent. It was a lot of fun to watch that because the guy who was playing, Sondergaard, I think was his last name. Simon Sundergaard was one of their seniors. And he's a big dude. He was a big hitter, man. You know, had a big serve. Power was his game. And that's not E's game. But Eric forced him to play his game, which is more of a finesse game. I'm not saying that Eric can't hit a good forehand, a good backhand. He's got a good serve, too. But he's more of a, of a finesse. And I, I don't want to, I, I know when I say finesse, like you think about this in football terms, like you think of one of those finesse teams that when you play a, a big, strong, powerful team that's going to get run over. That's not, like, I, don't, I don't use finesse as a pejorative. I do not. I, I think that's Eric's game, and it's incredibly impressive to watch. He he forced a lot of points to the net, and that's where Eric excels. He forced that guy to play his game, and the guy couldn't handle it. He just couldn't handle it. So that put us up 3-1, but things were not looking good on courts 1-2. and two. When it goes up 3-1, we need one more singles victory. One more. But things weren't looking good on courts 1-2. and two. We had Trent and Tyler 
Both make runs in, in the second set, but they end up losing second set tie breaks. Both guys had a couple of late break opportunities, but could, just couldn't quite close out. Had a couple of chances. I think Tyler Zink on court two was up 15-40 on, uh, and for, with one break opportunity. Just couldn't quite close it out. So they both end up losing. They fought valiantly in that second set, but they both lost their matches. So that tied things up at three, and now it's tight. Now the nerves, they are, if they weren't already kicked in, now they're really kicking in. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And all eyes turn to court five and good old Billy Rowe, the graduate transfer from Vanderbilt who has been huge for us time and time again this season. And guys, he was down like almost the entire first set. He was actually down 5-3. He held on the next service. So he was down 5-4. And then he faced triple set point. He was down 40-15 as Josh Peck, his opponent, was serving for that first set. But one thing I've learned this year, guys, watching Billy Rowe play is you just do not count out Billy Rowe. I'm not saying he's going to win every match. He doesn't win every match. He wins a lot of them, doesn't win every match, but just don't ever count this guy out. He is a 100% grinder, all right? He is a grinder. He fights and fights and fights, and we saw that on full display today. He broke back down 40-15, facing, again, triple set point, broke back, and pushed the first set to a tie break. In the tie break, he was down 6-5 before hitting an absolutely ridiculous shot down the line to tie it at 6-all, and then he won the next two points to take that first set tie break in the first set in its entirety. And then he got an early break in the second and never gave it back. It was close, though. Even though he never gave that break back, it was close. He was serving. He was actually serving up 4-3 in the second set, trying to push it to 5-3, but he got down 30-40, and it's like, okay, oh God, all right, now the nerves are kicking in again, here we go again, but Billy hunkered the hell down for a massive hold, and that was the difference, guys. There were, This was a really tight match. I know, I know it did not go to three sets, but it was a really tight match. There were eight games in that match that went to deuce, to the deuce point, which for those of you who are, again, are try, trying to get into college tennis or new to tennis, that's the deciding point in college tennis. They, they play no ad. So deuce points the deciding point. When it gets a deuce, next point wins the game. All right. And there were eight games in the match that went to that deciding deuce point. And they split them. Peck and Billy split them for each. But it was Billy who converted three of eight break point opportunities, while Peck for North Carolina only converted one of eight, that one in the first set. Billy had to hold a couple times, but he held, man. He held. And then he closed it out 7-6, 6-4. Just so clutched by Billy Rowe. Big time Billy Rowe. And he did this against Kentucky in a huge match a month or so ago. It was the same situation. Three threes down to Billy on court five. And he came up big in three sets. And, and he was playing a big hitter in Josh Peck, who's another one of those seniors for North Carolina. 
But again, Billy is a grinder and he just kept chopping. I'm gonna use a Kirbyism here. He kept chopping and eventually he just ground Peck down. And, and like Peck was hitting bombs, guys. Like he was hitting bombs. Even late in that match, he was hitting bombs. But Billy did a fantastic job just staying alive, staying in points, keeping those bombs in play. And he was just like Honestly, the far more consistent player. A lot of times you play those guys that can hit those bombs with that big hitters. They're not always as consistent because they're trying to, it's, it's a power game, right? It's kind of a give and take there. But, you know, Billy's just more consistent. And let's do Billy justice here. Billy can hit some bombs of his own, and he did. He had some absolutely unbelievable shots. Uh, it wasn't like he was just waiting on his opponent to make mistakes. Like, Peck did make some mistakes, overhit some balls, but Billy hit plenty of winners himself. He hit a, a, a running forehand passer when Peck was charging the net that I didn't know Billy had in him. I honestly didn't know he had that in him, but uh, it was a huge shot. And again, he hit that huge, and I, well, I thought it was a risky shot. I would never hit, try to hit that shot because I'm not, I don't have those kind of skills. Not, I don't have Billy Rose skills, man. But he had a huge risky shot in the line when he was down five, six in the tie rig. And guys, if that ball goes out, Billy loses the first set. I mean, that's a, that's a risky shot, but just ice in his veins, man. And that was the difference. The difference was Billy was Billy. He was poised. He was smart. He was confident. And in Josh Pett for Carolina, he just, you know, he melted down. He melted down and felt the pressure late. Like, I don't want to say that Billy didn't feel the pressure. I don't want to say that he doesn't feel the pressure in those situations. But like when you're watching, it seems like he didn't feel like watching that match, being there, looking at both guys. And I was first row right there, right behind core five, watching it. And you could just see like, it just seemed like, like Peck was running out of steam, seemed like he was feeling the pressure, you just the way he was walking, just you could just sense that vibe. But you didn't sense it with Billy, you just didn't. So like regardless of whether he felt it or not, I can't say, I'm not Billy Rowe, I don't know if he felt it, it just seemed like he didn't. But regardless, even if he felt it, Billy owned the pressure. He did not let it own him, and that's huge. But what a win, man. What a win for the Georgia men's tennis program. I also have to say this real quick, I'm gonna put this out there. This was especially sweet after losing to them in the final four back in 2017. I don't know. That was actually in Athens. Some of you, I'm sure, were probably there. Um, we lost that. It was, I thought we were, we were up in that match. I thought we were going to win it. There were, then there was a delay, rain delay. Like It was like the story of that entire tournament. One of the reasons why it's not in Athens right now. Regardless, whatever. But um, had to move inside. There was a pretty lengthy delay. And then you know, we ended up losing there. I think it was Robert Loeb, I want to say, who was up and then ended up losing when we went indoors. And uh, yeah, that sucked. So uh, man, it was really great. It's got a, a little bit of revenge. A little revenge is always fun. So I, I don't know if we'll go any further. I hope to God we will. But just getting that revenge is awesome. And just what a win, guys. What a win. We have had a couple of tough years here where we did not get out of the second round. We didn't even host a regional. The men's tennis team didn't host a regional. And that is extraordinarily un-Georgia tennis-like. That just doesn't really happen. So we go to the Final Four 2017, then two straight years after that, we don't get out of the second round. We don't host regionals, which like, you, to host a regional, you got to be in the top 16, right? And we weren't in the top 16. And that's just not like Georgia tennis. Uh, but look, I, I think I'm ready to say this, guys. I'm ready to say that Georgia men's tennis is back, baby. Even if we lose in the Elite Eight, and again, I'm not conceding that. I, I, I hope to God that's not the case. But even if we do, God forbid, lose in the Elite Eight, I still feel confident saying that this program is back on track. I mean, we really honestly didn't go anywhere 
it's kind of just a transition. We got to get some new blood in the program, some young players. So we have some young players got to grow up. We had some internal adversity. I don't want to go into all that. You guys know what I'm alluding to, I'm sure. We had some attrition uh, with some of the players, but the present and future is very, very bright for this program. Everyone but Billy Rowe is coming back, and we're adding one of the top recruiting classes in the country. We are clearly a contender this year. Clearly, we just beat what I think is one of the, if not the most talented team in the country, who is number one most of the year. So we're clearly a contender this year, but we're, in my opinion, going to be an even bigger contender next year with all these guys come back. We're going to be the, like the team at like North Carolina that has all those seniors next year with Trent Bride, with Blake Croyder, with... Phil Henning on court three. You got Tyler Zink coming back. You got Eric Gravillius coming back. We got uh, some really talented freshmen that are going to be thrown in the lineup as well. We got a guy, Thomas Paulsell, who's actually on campus right now, is number five player in the country. Uh, he enrolled early, hasn't played because he's just, just got on campus in the past couple of months. He's going to be really good. We got a bunch of guys coming in. So I think this team, man, like, again, the present's very bright, but the future might be even brighter. And both of our teams, the men and the women, are so easy to root for. Look, I'm going to root for anyone that has the G on their chest, right? Like that, that's just a fact of life. But it's more than just that with these teams. It's just a bunch of great guys and gals. They're so easy, so fun to root for. Again, not because not because of the talent. They are super talented, but they're just two groups of fantastic young people. I mean, Meg's the president of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. She's a multiple-time SEC Community Service Team member. So Billy's a multiple SEC, multiple-time SEC Community Team Service member. Uh, Meg's been interning with our athletic department. Elena Christofi is she's a genius who was nominated for NCAA Woman of the Year. Uh, and I can go on and on and on, guys. The list is long, but both the men and the women, they support, they root for each other. Some players moved up and down the lineup, and that can create some resentment in some situations with some teams. And some of our players in the past, it has, but it hasn't affected either one of these teams. It hasn't. And they just, they love each other. They love the University of Georgia. They go out there and they put it online every time out. And it's just a lot of fun to watch. They're so easy to root for. But as big as this win over North Carolina was, and it was huge, it's on to the next match. We got we to gotta put that behind us now. We got to go on to the next match in the Elite Eight, which will be versus number three seed Tennessee, who actually won the SEC tournament here a couple of weeks ago, upset Florida, who's number one overall team in the country. And Tennessee is not a traditional power in tennis, but they're very good this year. They have two really good singles players. Adam Walton's a top 10 player. Johannes Monday's a freshman who's crazy good on court too. Also a top 10 singles player. They're very, very good this year. And uh, they had an intense match of their own. They almost didn't come out of that match today either. They had to sweat that one out and defeated Arizona. It's kind of a surprise team. Defeated them 4-3. Bryce Warren, give him a shout out. Bryce Warren was our volunteer coach uh, for a couple of years. He's now an assistant coach over there uh, in uh, Arizona. And uh, they were ready to play. And I thought Arizona had a shot there. Came down to court one and Tennessee was able to hold them off in a 4-3 match of their own. So that's that's an SEC matchup here in the Elite Eight. And yes, we did play Tennessee earlier in the year. We lost that match 4-2 here in Athens. I was there for that match, and uh, look, I, I know you can say, oh yeah, well, Georgia already lost to them 4-2. Sure, yeah, we did, but there's some context there, guys. We were without two of our top four singles players in that match, okay? We went into the match with our doubles lineups all askew because we had a, a quarantine situation, like a COVID situation where Tyler Zink was, had, to, had to quarantine. He was exposed the whole nine yards. He didn't play in that match. He didn't play doubles and play singles. So our, our doubles lineups were all messed up, and that could absolutely matter. And Blake Croy was actually playing court one doubles with Trent. He normally plays court two doubles 
with Billy Rowe, but he was playing up with, with Trent on court one. And then early in that match, he hurt his back. And he didn't retire from that match. He kept trying. It was so it was painful to watch, guys. Like he couldn't hit. He could not hit the ball. He couldn't serve. Like he was doing like the like the granny serve. He throw the ball up and kind of just tap it over the net. He could not serve because his back was was hurting so badly. But he fought. We ended up losing that doubles point. I think we we were on our way to win that doubles point if it wasn't for that. And then he could not play in singles. So everybody had to move up. Not just one court. Had to move up two courts in singles. Like for example, Billy Rowe normally plays court five first. Had to play court three in that match. So we were we were definitely down a couple guys in that match, and that it just throws everything out of whack. And I'm not saying Tennessee's not good; they're really good. I'm not saying they they won't beat us on Thursday. They might beat us on Thursday. They're really good. They won the SEC tournament. They beat the number one team in the country a couple weeks ago in that SEC final against Florida. They're really, really, really good. It's going to take our best effort, just like it took our best effort against North Carolina. It's going to take a similar level effort to beat Tennessee. But I did take you know I I I, I feel good about. What we did today, because we beat what I think is, again, one of the most talented teams in the country, if not the most talented team in the country today, and we did that without our number one, number two singles players really contributing much at all to that victory. I mean, I, I don't, I hate, I know that sounds bad, like, they played their hearts out, and they were playing some really, really, really good opponents. I mean, William Bloomer, of course, one North Carolina, has been around for a long time, man. I mean, he was a freshman back in 2017. When I watched him play, I was like, oh my God, that guy is incredible, and he's been around a long time. So they, they fought hard, but like, they didn't win their doubles match, and they didn't win their singles match. So we didn't get like any wins from them, and we were still able to beat one of the best teams in the country. The team was ranked number one for most of the year. So if we can get them back on track, because they're really talented in their own right against against uh, Tennessee, who knows, man? Who knows? Tennessee's going to be the favorite heading that match, as they should. It's the three seed versus the 11 seed. But I'm telling you, again, our guys can be anybody on any given day. We'll see what Georgia team shows up. I don't know, but I do know this. They'll fight. They're going to fight. They're going to go out there. They're going to give it their all. Tennessee's good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for that. So can't wait for the women to play on Wednesday against NC State. It's a three seed versus six seed. And we've got the guys, number three seed, Tennessee versus number 11 seed, Georgia, on Thursday. And, of course, you guys know that we'll have that covered for you. Follow us on Twitter if you want all the updates on what's going on. Of course, you can follow the the women's tennis Twitter account. You can follow the men's account, and they'll give you updates. We'll give you our perspective, our view on things as well. You can follow us on Twitter at glory underscore UJ. We did a, we did get a couple of DMs and some tweets during uh, the uh, the matches this week asking how to watch it. They're not on TV right now. Not until we get to the final four. I think we'll be on TV. Definitely championship match. I think the final four will be as well. We'll see. But right now, if you download the Tennis One, just spell out O-N-E, Tennis One app, You'll be able to watch all of the action from the Insulate Tennis Tournament. So you can watch, the, again, the girls on Wednesday at 11 a.m. against NC State. And then the guys will be playing Tennessee on Thursday at 11 a.m. So if you turn it on, I'm going to promise you guys, look, if you, if you haven't watched a match, if you've never watched an actual Georgia Tennis match, these are the matches to watch. Like I actually had somebody DM me. He's like, man, like I never watched a Georgia Tennis match before. I, I pulled this up and watched it. And it was incredible. Like you weren't making it up. Like I know you guys probably just sit here and listen to me. Like you're, like, it can't be that exciting. You're just making this up just because you like tennis. Doesn't mean you got to sell us a bill of goods. You don't have to lie to us. No, I'm telling you guys. If you watch these matches, you will be hooked. Especially if you're watching instantly a tournament match with the stakes of that magnitude. Every point, guys. You live and die with every single point. It's so exciting. So I'm telling you, if you never watched a match, I mean, those of you who have watched a match, you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't. I, I a strong first. I strongly encourage you to, to uh, again download Tennis One, watch the watch the match. Hey, 
go to Orlando. Go to Orlando and watch the match. It's nothing like watching it in person. But even if you can't do that and you're watching it on, on the Tennis One app, just be prepared to get hooked and to not get a lot done at work. Just be prepared for that, all right? Just telling you in advance. But it's a lot of fun, guys, and we'll have it covered the rest of the way. Really, really, really hope that both the guys and the girls can keep the run going here into the Final Four. We'll see. We'll see, but it's a lot of fun. And again, we'll have it covered for you. And I will be back later this week to do the next edition of our Scheme Theme Month. We're going to try to get Curtis on for a back episode. His schedule is a little bit different right now. We're trying to work out the, the timing there with his new internship. We'll try to make that happen for you guys as well. And if we don't, we'll have that back next week. But thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for humoring me here, letting me go on and on and on, kind of uh, completely off the cuff here, coming in straight off the, the seven-hour drive back home from Orlando. But it was a lot of fun this weekend. I can't wait to get back down to Orlando to cheer on both teams as they fight for a spot in the NCAA Final Four. But all right, guys, thanks for listening. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>